on this episode of the Women Offshore Podcast, you're going to meet Sarah Hirsch. She's the newly appointed head of customer success at MMC's, the go-to provider of U.S. Coast Guard licensing software. Sarah's journey is a fascinating one from her sailing routes on the Great Lakes to becoming a captain on oceanographic research vessels. Sarah's going to share some sea stories with us as well as how she's trying to make the industry more inclusive. Welcome everyone. You are listening to the Women Offshore Podcast. This is Ali Cedeno and Christine McMillan. We are both experienced seafarers. And at Women Offshore, we are making waves. The Women Offshore Foundation propels women plus into meaningful careers through access to a worldwide community and professional development resources, while raising awareness amongst industry leaders and decision makers about issues affecting women on the water. This podcast is an integral part of our mission, and we appreciate you listening in. New episodes of the Women Offshore podcasts are available every Tuesday. Subscribe on whatever platform you like to listen to podcasts on and be in the know about the latest topics related to diversity, equity, and inclusion within the maritime and offshore industries. Thanks for tuning in. We have another great episode for you today. Today, let's meet Sarah Hirsch. She's the new head of customer success at MMCs. They're the folks behind the U.S. Coast Guard captain's licensing software that a lot of people have been talking about lately. Imagine Sarah as your go-to navigator through the choppy waters of maritime licensing. It can be so confusing and a big headache to just maintain your license, especially with new classes that you have to take and all of the layers. So that's what Sarah does. She helps you navigate that process. And Sarah takes this very seriously, both professionally and personally. Her journey into the maritime industry started when she was quite young on Lake Huron and Lake Michigan. And she eventually went from a deckhand to a full-fledged captain sailing across the Atlantic, not once, not twice, but three times. She is full of stories, as you can imagine. And now as the head of customer success at MMCs, Sarah's got one goal, to make the whole licensing process smoother than a calm day at sea. Her mission is to ensure that everyone's dreams of getting their U.S. Coast Guard license comes true without hassle. Whether you're an old salt or just curious about the maritime life, stick around. I think you'll enjoy this interview as she shares her unique journey with us. Let's get started. Welcome, Sarah, to the Women Offshore podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and have a chance to talk to you today. Yeah, yeah. Let's get started. So as a seasoned mariner who has piped her way to a U.S. Coast Guard 1,600-ton ocean master's license with sail, you've undoubtedly faced your fair share of challenges in a male-dominated industry. Can you tell us about a particularly tough moment or obstacle you encountered on your journey and how you overcame it? Yeah, so that's. I feel like that's a question I could answer every day with a different answer. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I think... Um, kind of thinking about how my career was inspired in a way, some of the most difficult challenges just 
built me up stronger. And um, the the beginning of my career, of course, was probably where it was hardest because I just didn't know enough to stand up for myself. Um, I started working on tall ships after I went to college and I wanted to be a crew member, but I got pigeonholed pretty quickly into the education department. And I think I, what, what I saw throughout my career was that it was easy for um, my skill set to be put, whether it was chart corrections or organizing the crew or the work list or organizing essentially <laughs> was an area I, I grew to understand that if I wanted to do different work, I needed to speak up for myself. Um, definitely came into play. Like I, I really um, was proficient at a loft rig work and I worked on some ships with steel rigging and could go aloft and do that and would have to say, Hey, I think I've got this. Um, and those chart corrections can be done by a deckhand. I'll show them how and then go up. <laughs> and so I think for me, a lot of it was figuring out how to speak up for myself and my skill set and learn what I really wanted to learn. But now that I've gotten that under my belt, um, I feel like I can share with others a little bit about how to do that. And that's one thing I love about working for MMCs. Yeah. Yeah. So before we, cause I want to talk about MMCs. Absolutely. I guess I have a follow-up question on that. So you feel like you were kind of stereotyped by your gender and the positions on board to kind of fit within like a gender um, role that was more like administrative versus doing some of the harder labor? I do feel that way. And I feel like it was, I almost never felt that it was intentional. Um, and I think that my strength in the area, but I think everyone's, everyone's strong at administrative skills if they put their mind to it, especially if you want to move past it. If you're like, I want to organize this so that I can get to the other work, it can backfire and, and then you're the most organized person on the ship. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, in a way, I guess I, I created the opportunity for people to pin me with that. Um, but I do think there is also... I, I mean, I, I try now really hard to not pin that type of work on women on the boats I'm working on now, um, just for that same reason, because usually they stand, you know, there are oftentimes women who may stand out as strong in many areas. And so making sure that they get to do the work that they're interested in and want to develop for their skills at. And I can relate to this. You know, there was a time in my career where I would just be standing on the bridge holding papers. And people would approach me, are you the admin? I'm like, no, I, I'm the mate. Nothing against the admin. But just because I'm a woman with papers in my hand doesn't mean that I'm in a certain role, right? Like right. even standing on the bridge of a ship where I could have been captain, you know, with the credentials I had, it it, it can get frustrating, right? Yeah, I definitely hear you on that. And it's and it's funny because on, I guess there's there's two two parts of that spoke. There are certain things I love about making things work really well. So I would no in way no way say that I I don't enjoy that aspect of the job. Um, but I also feel like the um, kind of the willpower I put towards making sure I got to learn um, you know the hands on or grittier part of the job, which is really you know what gives me the adrenaline rush at the end of the day. It took I, f- I feel like I had to dig in and uh, ask for that work. You know, you've pivoted and I want to pivot this conversation to talk about MMCs because you're doing such great work to help mariners. And I want more people to know about that. You know, we've featured MMCs in a few ways in the past at Women Offshore, but there's so much more that we can collaborate on. So it's it's really good to have you on the show and and to showcase what you're doing. So 
you and I know bureaucracy paperwork can be notoriously frustrating in the maritime industry, often hindering career progression. I mean, you know, just doing a renewal can be confusing for people. As the head of customer service at MMCs, how do you plan to revolutionize the licensing process and tackle the red tape, ensuring sailors and mariners get the opportunities they deserve without getting lost in the administrative maze? Such a great question. I mean, that's really nails it is the goal is to take away the maze. Um, MMCs is a software um, that's continually being um, developed and grown. And just the time I've been with the company, um, we've, you know, made things easier and easier for mariners. But essentially, the goal is that a mariner can put all of their paperwork and information into the software. Um, A bunch of things happen behind the scenes in the software that spits it out to um, to us on the back end who are there to process the application, answer questions, take a look at it. We're essentially friendly eyes that review everything before it ever goes to the Coast Guard. And we are a smart group of mariners who have a sense of where um, maybe the mariner doesn't realize um, or the captain who's applying for an upgrade doesn't realize, oh, I could get, you know, another, a near coastal as well as an inland or whatever they might be looking for. I could tack on, you know, a designated duty officer, whatever it might be, is we have the wherewithal to look at what someone's doing and and help encourage them to add something on. Um, And so it's, it's, in a way, it's probably where the regional exam center was way back before the, you know, things consolidated where you could walk in and talk to someone. And so we are here and but not only are we here, we're here through email and web browser and all sorts of other ways that people are connecting these days um, so that, you know, you could send an email from your ship and then the next morning I'll see it, I can answer it, and you can kind of continue on, on with your process to get your application in. Um, and so it w- one of the really cool things, and I'm, I am a nerd and I'm totally organized on all sorts of things. And so every year I do my taxes with TurboTax. MMCs is like the the U.S. captain's tr- uh, paperwork portion of of what TurboTax would look like, where it's just like just put your stuff in there. Someone behind the scenes is going to make it all perfect, and then you can go about your merry day. And I think, like when I think about it, I always put my own paperwork in, but I to the Coast Guard. But I spent a lot of time on it. Meanwhile, I would just pay for someone to help me with my taxes, which is TurboTax. And now that I'm working at MMCs, I'm like, I can't wait to upgrade or <laughs> using MMCs because it's like, why do you, why do I torture myself? And um, and so I think that's where like there are a lot of mariners out there who are super proficient and can get their paperwork on in on their own. I think MMCs just is an opportunity to cut that load off of what's probably already a busy load in your life. Yeah, you have the expertise to possibly get ahead of some of the long wait times, you know, when there's a printer issue and they get backed up at the NMC, that can be so frustrating and it can really affect someone's livelihood. Um, I'm on the HR side now. And if my mariners don't have their credentials, you know, if they've expired, I can't send them out. So, and I hate when that happens and even if someone's like, well, I turned it in like a couple of months ago and if it expires tomorrow, we can't put you on our vessel. So it's, it's so important what you guys are doing uh, for the workforce in multiple ways. And on the employer side, I appreciate and I see the value that your work provides. 
there's so many little areas where we can cut a few days off the process. And with the process right now being over two months and that's in business days, like 60 business days, yeah, we can cut out three days because, um, you know, the drug test went in correctly and we can cut out two days because we got an awaiting information letter, but we were able to pull it from the Coast Guard database before it was issued to the Mariner so that we can help solve the problem. Um, you know, if, if we're able to choose the, um, regional exam center that's got the fastest processing time so that we're spreading the workload around the country. Just so many little ways that we can help. And then meanwhile, we can connect right to the National Maritime Center if a a captain or mate or uh, whoever is is trying to get that credential in hand um, has a, a question. So it's, it's really, it's really exciting to work on behalf of the Mariner. It's really like, it's such a fun position to be in to get to um, see people advancing their careers and kind of be hand in hand with making it happen. Yeah, we have sh- such a mariner shortage as well. Try saying that fast, <laughs> a mariner shortage, um, and it's it's really worrisome. And a lot of companies are looking to diversify to help fix that shortage. So that brings me to my next question with your maritime expertise and educational backgrounds. You know, you give such a unique perspective on workforce development in the industry. How will you challenge the status quo and push for more inclusion and diverse training programs, encouraging more women to pursue careers at sea and in leadership roles? Such a great question. And I think one of the biggest things is is making uh, removing perceived barriers. And I think the credentialing process itself, it's not a barrier, but it sure is a perceived barrier because there isn't an easy way to figure out how to get a credential. And so I think by being a service that is open, friendly, we use inclusive language, we take the time to understand where a mariner's coming from. The mariner's not offhandedly being addressed as he because that's the predominant you know, gender expression that the industry is using. So I think all of those little things mean that if someone, you know, digitally walks through our door and meets the team at MMCs, we we make a mariner feel welcome to the industry. Like we're pumping them up. Um, and if they come in the door at entry level and get their first credential, then they're they're getting their credential because it's the next step in their career, not because it's like entering the cool club. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I I hope that even though it's something really small, um, we're not we have we're not attempting to like make it hard in any way. Um, whereas I think at least in my experience, hose piping, no one was ever trying to make it hard to get a credential, but man, no one ever made it easy. <laughs> right? Like yeah. it's digging for information. I just remember so many captains saying like, oh, just go do it. I passed the test, you know, whatever it was like, yeah, that's not even the way it works anymore. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. it's just making the information available to everyone. And then the other thing we can do, you know, we don't, um, we don't have partnerships with schools, but we are able to talk to a mariner and get a sense of what their learning style is, or maybe their work schedule, whatever their parameters might be, um, or things that might limit their success. And then we can suggest schools. You can say, hey, you know, it sounds like an online option might be great for you. Or it sounds like you're, you know, you're going to do really well going and just sitting somewhere. But And these are some places that, you know, I mean, would you come out with a great experience? So we we have the opportunity, I guess, to share share information. 
Yeah, I love that. And it's so important. And, you know, you speak about reducing barriers and access to information is such a strong barrier in this industry. It's all about who you know and someone who comes from a family of sailors, of mariners. Maybe some of, you know, the information's antiquated, but they probably had a pretty good start with mentorship and support. Let's face it, a lot of women are coming into this industry and their families weren't mariners. Being able to provide that roadmap is key for their long-term success. So that the availability, the way you guys put yourselves out there on social media and your website to answer questions, the available information is really important. And I'm glad to be able to share MMCs more with our group so people know about it. You know, I love sea stories, and I'm sure you have a lot. I want to hear something else. So from sailing across the Atlantic to mentoring and educating sailors during oceanographic cruises, you've experienced the maritime world from various angles. Can you share an exhilarating uh, moment from your time at sea that impacted your approach to leadership and problem solving? So I, <laughs> I was often the medical officer, you know, smaller ships, there is not a medic, a, a trained medic or doctor other than someone who is the highest level of able to care, provide care. And I had medical care provider from the Coast Guard. And I also had wilderness first responder training, which I found to actually be the best asset because that's a 10 day course where you, it, it's meant for people working in the wilderness and the water the ocean can definitely be defined as the wilderness. So a little bit more hands-on than the Coast Guard's medical care provider course. So I'd always find myself in situations that were like borderline sketchy, <laughs> trying to help people out. But luckily I sailed with a lot of organizations that had phone doctors. Um, but one of the most exciting situations was that I was an AB on a Norwegian tall ship that was a full rigged ship. This is like most square sails ever. <laughs> Um, almost 200 foot riveted steel, like original from the turn of the century tall ship. And we had high schoolers on board. We had, there's so like so many caveats to the story that ended up why, you know, we were where we were, but, um, we come out of shipyard in Turkey rushed total refit and the student heads had not been totally completed. So we basically, we had a bunch of high schoolers with not fully functional toilets, and that is the start of this story, which has to do with the medical response. So we had a young woman who decided, and we didn't know till much later, just if she didn't drink water, she didn't have to use the gross yucky head, right? Oh, no. <laughs> so she, um, she passed out one night on deck. No one knew oh, what to no. do. And the medical officer was... Um, actually she was on paper, she was a nurse, but on like in reality and wilderness, she started to panic. So the crew jumped in and in the end, the captain called the Greek um, response team for a helicopter because we couldn't, she had a pulse, but that was all really all we could get out of her. And so we ended up um, having a helicopter come out. Thank goodness. It was like one of the calmer nights in the Mediterranean, just flat, like, you know, later on that trip, we encountered like the remnants of Hurricane Sandy and all other crazy things. But this was the calmest night. We were on the boat. 
But as the helicopter came out, we realized even though we cleared the aft deck, like fully like prevented out our main boom with all of the rigging out of the way, there's no way a helicopter was going to drop a basket down onto the aft deck of a fully rigged ship. (laughs) Lesson learned, we shouldn't train for that because it's not going to happen. So we had an 18 foot rib and we put our three crew members and the student in the rib and went away from the big boat so that they had a clear area. And I think for me, what I realized is that in like um, the kind of sailing I was doing, there's no way to train for that uh, to be under a helicopter, like making sure that this unconscious person isn't drowning while also not getting decapitated by the swinging basket. And I was so, I was so lucky that the other crew members in the boat, had actually trained in the Norwegian civilian maritime school. They had done helicopter rescues because I'm not sure we would have gotten through that if all of us had never been involved in a scenario like wow. that. So what it is story. <laughs> worked yeah. out. She made it to a hospital. They figured out she was incredibly dehydrated. So it ended up being obviously a medical issue, but in the long run, every the outcome was great. But I think my takeaway was that there's so much that we have to learn. And, and, and it's funny because I now have kids and I had a scary experience with my son in the hospital and it just made me a whole different person. Like I chief made at that hospital visit with my son. I like, <laughs> and I think just like all of the on the job training we get as mariners, we have to remember how we apply to the next thing. Um, because you don't, you can't pay for that kind of training. Right. And it, it's amazing. You could be out there for 50 years there's always going to be something that comes up where you're like, I was not prepared for this. Right. <laughs> like, didn't guess that would happen. <laughs> this is new. I mean, it makes it thrilling, right? And it makes it such an amazing career that mm-hmm. every day is different and you're always going to be challenged. But at the same time, that's, that's scary for a lot of people too, especially to go through a situation like that. Yeah. And that one I would definitely say was like, Probably the pinnacle of me being like, what am I doing? <laughs> Why are we? Because there was some error involved, you know? I mean, we shouldn't, that student shouldn't have been in the situation they were in. But nonetheless, you know, everyone learned from it. And Moral of the story, drink water. Drink water. <laughs> Make sure the toilets work for, for all the young people on board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Sarah, I've really enjoyed speaking with you today. And I'd love to meet you in person soon. So we do have our conference coming up in October. If you can make it down to Texas, we're going to have it at Texas A&M in Galveston. Love to see you. Maybe we can get you on the speaking roster if you're available. It'd be great to meet in person. Before we wrap this up, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? The only other thing I'd like to share is I hope I get to meet everyone who's listening either in person or because you just went on MMCs and sent us an email because we just answer emails. And it's one of my favorite things is just to talk to Mariners and figure out what you're trying to do and help you find a way to do it. So we're out here. um, And then the blog is like, basically answers every question you could possibly ask. Just ask it to the MMCs blog, mmcs.com. Awesome. And we'll put some links in our social media posts as well as in the blog post on our website. So people know to go to the blog and how to sign up and, so thank you. I know um, your found, one of your co-founders had reached out offering to support our development program. So big thanks to Nate for that support there. That's awesome. Um, and we look forward to continuing. Yeah. 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 
continue to work with you in several ways. And maybe you'll come on the podcast later on and tell us about more things you've done through the technology that you have. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, it was great to talk to you. And I look, yeah, let's figure out how to I'll come down to Texas. <laughs> awesome. We'll see you soon. Thanks right. so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. Come back next Tuesday for another new episode. If you want to propel Women Offshore forward, visit womenoffshore.shop. Make a donation or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there and we will talk to you soon.